138. <clears throat> We've been looking at this psalm throughout the week. And uh, let's just read again tonight from the words of verse 3. Psalm 138, Psalm of David. And the words of verse 3 is where we'll uh, commence tonight. In the day when I cried, thou answerest me and strengthenest me with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear the words of thy mouth. Yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knoweth afar off. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. I shall stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. Amen. Just ending there, the end of the psalm. The psalmist here is praising God because he knows God answers prayer. He knows that God strengthens his people. He knows that he also cares for his people too. But the psalmist who could not sing in Psalm 137, who now offers praise with the whole heart, and I can't get away from that man and woman that we need to come to the house of God whenever we do with a desire to worship with the whole heart, not with lip service. There's too many today in Christendom are offering just lip service, just going through the motions. And you, you know that. But we've got to worship the Lord, we've got to praise the Lord with our whole heart. And uh, may that be our portion. And here the psalmist, he offers praise with his whole heart. He does so because he has also experienced the next encouragement. And that is, God revives his people. And that's what he says. And speaking about, in verse 7, he's been brought from trouble to refreshment. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, there's a certainty. There's a certainty for everyone. Every, uh, every, every one of God's people. God's people are not exempt from trial or from trouble. Didn't the Lord tell us that in this world ye shall have tribulation, ye shall have the trial, ye shall have the trouble. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And how often David knew the times of trouble, they weren't all of his own making. Oh, some of them were. Took a wrong turning. Fell badly. Brought trouble upon himself. And many of the times it wasn't of his own making. And yet, having considered the greatness of God, he had the confidence that God could revive him. And he often, therefore, is found to be speaking of the reviving power of God. And men and women, tonight as we have come to our week of prayer, Thursday nights nearly through, we believe that our God is a God of revival. And God can revive his people. This is not something that we can read in the history books only. We believe that God is eternal. He is the same. 
And he can yet revive his people and understand that it begins with God's people. You see, the word revive literally is to make alive. It is to be quickened. And only that which is already living can be revived, can be quickened. It's maybe a poor illustration, but if some of you have the open fire, and the old fire dies down, maybe you're sleeping and you didn't put a drop on it and it's nearly gone. Well, you can revive that if it's still there. If the root bed of the fire is still there, you can't revive it if it's not already lit. And men and women, that reminds us that revival must begin with God's people. Because it's only God's people who have been made alive through the Holy Spirit and salvation. We've been brought from death unto life, from the power of Satan unto God. Yes, one of the outworkings of revival is that the unconverted are saved, the ungodly are troubled and convicted, but that is only an outworking. It must begin with the church. It must begin with God's people. It begins with those that are already living. We already have known the new birth. We already have been born again from above. And it's we who need reviving. You turn back to Psalm 85. And of course you will know it is another instance where we find this. And I want you to see it in the words of verse 6 and 7 again as the psalmist. And he says, Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw thout? Thine anger to all generations. Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy salvation, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. You just take those two words, those two verses together, verse 6 and 7, and you'll notice that revival and salvation go hand in hand. They go together. But so does praise. Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? There's the praise. And you read of the history books and church revivals. There's always been the times of praise. And verse 7. Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. Revival and salvation always go together. As does praising the Lord. Revival, Psalm 119, is always in conjunction with God's word. Psalm 119, verse 25, My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. Verse 50, This is my comfort and my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. You might say, all the way you're reading those verses, well, I am, because it's exactly the same word. It's translated slightly differently. It's quickened. And that's what revival is. It quickens the people of God. It quickens us in prayer. It quickens the people of God to be in the prayer meeting. And to do the work of God. But it's always in conjunction with God's word. You uh, read of stuff that has happened over the times. Even in recent uh, years and decades. And the word of God is not central. You can know it's not of God. And there's very, uh, very easy illustration of that. The Toronto blessing. Remember that time? A lot of hot air. And men and women go from the scriptures. Revival is always in accordance to God's word. Psalm 143. Revival is always is, is always to be sought for in uh, sorry, re- revival is from God, I should say, and for his glory. Verse eleven. Quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake, for thy righteousness. 
sake, bring my soul out of trouble. Why do we, why would we pray for revival in Market Hill? It's not for the glory of the church. It's for the name of the Lord to be honoured and uplifted. It's for his name's sake. We've been praying right throughout the week. The Lord might bless the children's work, the Sunday school, all the different aspects. But men and women, listen, it's always for God's glory. If we pray anyway else, it's the wrong motive. And the same is the case with revival. Then just one other, Habakkuk chapter 3. And revival is to be sought for in prayer. Habakkuk 3, let me just read the first two verses please. Give you a minute to get it. Just before Zephaniah. It says a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet upon Shekinah, O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid, O Lord. Revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath. Remember mercy. There's a prayer. He's making it a prayer. Again, you'll see the connection uh, with uh, praise. It's accompanied with praise. You might say, where do you see that? Well, if you have a good marginal Bible you will see that the meaning of Shigenainoth is in it. It says, according to variable songs or tunes called in Hebrew Shigenoth. It's accompanied by praise. And the prophet is praying, Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. That's a good prayer for us. We're 40 years old now. The Lord might come revive us in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years make known. In wrath remember mercy. Is that what our heart's desire is? Or do you just want to go through the mundane? The children's meeting Thursday night just to see him. as last week and next week. Youth fellowships just to see him. Sunday services. We want to revive him. Challenges us. We can get into a rut. Men and women need reviving. Church needs it. I need it. You need it. Our denomination needs it. Margaret Hill needs it. Our wee province needs it. You see the state of our land. And the answer doesn't lie with all due respect, it doesn't lie with the treasury. Downing Street. And it doesn't lie with the politicians in the big house. The answer is from God. We need that reviving. You see what else the psalmist says here? That God would help his servant and he would defend him against his enemies. He says, Oh, I walk in the midst of trouble, I will revive me. I shall stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies. And thy right hand shall save me. All that it would take would be for God to stretch out his hand. That's it. I think we lose a concept of who God really is, you know. And the power of God. I just had to cause the wind to blow and the Red Sea parted. And the psalmist just realizes, Lord, if you stretch forth your hand... It'll deal with the enemies. 
the right hand. I apologise in advance to anybody of you of who are left-handed. Anybody left-handed here? No. <laughs> That's good. Oh. <laughs> well, close your ears, Fiona. The right hand is always known as the hand of power. I always am amused when I see people writing the left hand. They get away around like us here. <laughs> my my father-in-law used to do that too. But and my wife holds the fork in her in her right hand, and she's not left-handed. No, work that out. So you swap your things around, you know. But anyway, she's not here tonight. <laughs> The right hand is always known as the hand of power and the hand of strength. The one at God's right hand is Christ. Christ himself, risen, conquering, glorified Savior. And the psalmist says, I shall stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. And a woman, God revives his people. What encouragement. And we've been encouraged, I think, already this week in seeing little bits and pieces through this psalm. May the Lord be pleased to do it for us. <coughs> for his glory's sake.